This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. In studio today, as we like to do, we, 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 we like to do something on Fridays that we call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, which means we bring in someone who, well, he can fulfill that mandate. And one of the guys who always fulfills that mandate when he's here, we love having here, Mike Fortune from Cable 14. Sir, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me back. Some uh, big shoes to fill, though, I'm telling you. It's, uh, like I said, I've been off for a few weeks you now. You have been so off for a while. My, my brain is uh, a little squirrely right now. I, I got the full facial thing going on. but uh, You got the hair done today, though. Did the hair for you. Thanks, thanks for the invite. Honestly, to get out after three weeks of being hibernated in this cold, it's going to be fun, though. I'm looking forward to this. It's the uh, last show of the year. I don't think I've ever been part of a last show of the year. So are you, are you let's have f- some fun. Are you a fan of this cold, though? Nope. Can't stand it, but you know what? I accept it. I don't like it, but I accept it. I'm the kind of guy, when it's snow, so we had all those snowstorms, I'm up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I get the whole street to myself. I'm moving my cars around. I'm shoveling. I love the peace and quiet of this time of year to get up and shovel the snow. Not a fan of the cold. And the potential heart attacks of the shoveling, too. Well, I, not to toot my own horn. I, I think I keep myself in some pretty good shape. I don't mind working up a good sweat, getting the heartbeat going, and uh, you know, make sure everything's done properly. Help out the neighbors where I can. It's all good. Are you the driveway that is scraped then right down to the concrete? Right when down the to snow the concrete. Comes? Extra salt. Oh, you're that guy. So when everyone else wakes up, they're like. How is the Fortune household looking like that already? You're that guy. Early See, bird gets the worm. I'm the, we have neighbors who are like that, and I look. I I, I applaud them. I admire them. <laughs> I, I I I simply am in awe of that kind of enthusiasm at that type of day. Our driveway is the one that when the plow comes along and leaves a three-foot-high snowbank oh, no. blocking us in, I simply see that as a challenge <laughs> to get enough torque on my car to back it up and blast through the snowbank and hopefully not get stuck or rip the bumper off. No, see, because what drives me up the wall, I, I have it's my OCD, I guess, that kicks in, is, is the tire tracks. If you drive on fresh snow, then you can't shovel it That's properly. True. Then you see these tire tracks, and it drives me up the wall. They're compressed. So I shovel everything out of the way, then I move my cars out, and then I can do the rest of the shoveling. I got it down to a science. You really do. I even go up with my shovel to to clear my eaves trough no. off. Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, I. It's Scott. It's a problem I have. I I really <laughs> think it. Uh, I have to uh, give you my address because uh, I do more, and I do it all by hand. I don't use a no snow, snow plow. No, this is all by hand. Now, we baby. haven't had a lot of snow. This is not a snow situation. I mean, we've had. It's just been nasty cold. See, the thing is, normally the snow at least doesn't accompany the absolute brutal cold sometimes yeah more often than not it's either a cold snap or it's a snow thing i'm now at the glorious place where at least when he's home from school i have a son of age and size and strength to say get out there and shovel for me please so my son is of that age and that strength however because i'm so particular i just don't think he'd be able to do it properly so it's easier for me to go out do it myself you sound like the guy who would actually take out your edger from the summer just to get the snow done this close scott i even go into the backyard shovel off my deck and then at least 10 15 feet away from the house so I'm a snow free. You shovel zone. your backyard. I shovel a good chunk of my backyard. Just you know, Why? I, just because. Just just because. 
There's no rhyme or reason to it. I like my deck clear. I like access to my barbecue if need be. And I just make sure that things are away from the house. <laughs> I, you know what happens if I shovel my backyard in the wintertime? What's that? I end up scooping up about 17 pounds of dog poo. Well. Because my two wimpy, my well, my <laughs> wife's two wimpy little dogs, once it gets cold, don't like to go up onto the grass. Yeah. So they just step out the back door. There you go. And dump right there. Yeah. So by springtime, we have this mound of frozen stuff. But if I'm in the winter doing my backyard, nuh-uh. Well, no. you know, I got rabbits back there under my deck. You know, I like to make a little path for them, make it easy for them. You know, it's uh, I, it, it just it's about being out and embracing it, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, see, and again, snow, a snowfall, you know, I can... Ultimately, I can do that. I can embrace that. Now, we do have a snowblower. My, again, this comes maybe to, I don't know, I'm tired when I do it, whatever else. I, I always forget when I first start to check the wind direction. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'll, have the, I'll have the blower pointed one way and almost inevitably it's into the wind. So as soon as I start, I just get doused. You get in doused. So Now, but, are you a snowblower guy where you, do you blow the snow back onto the street? I blow this, I try to blow the snow onto the grass. Uh, it's a big snowblower. This was a snowblower that was bequeathed to me okay. by my father. They now live in, my mom and dad now live in a condo, but they had a house for a long time. And this is about a, this is a Toro that is probably 35 years old. It's bigger than a smart car mm-hmm. and stronger than a smart car. And so when you, when you get going in good <laughs> snow, this thing will throw snow clear across both our our lawn and our neighbor's lawn onto our neighbor's driveway, which I've done accidentally before too. They've I'm just sure. shoveled and now I fill up their driveway with So snow. then you got to go back. And, and then sure I got to go shove, it, do their, their driveway. No doubt it is loud. And it is loud. I, and I'm pretty sure it hasn't been through any emission testing. So it's letting off uh, some nice smells. There are <laughs> there are 737s that give off less pollution than this thing. And black plumps of smoke are coming yeah. out when I start it for oh, the first gosh. time. But man, does it work. But it's not the snow. It is just so stinking cold. I cannot stand. I, maybe it's just an old thing. Maybe it's an age. You get to a certain age. I don't think I'm old, but you get to a certain age and the cold just yeah. is worse. I, I, uh, I'm very fortunate. I own a couple of very nice Cable 14 winter jackets and they are like saunas. So to Brent Rickard, thank you very much for those. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. We were just chatting about the weather as everybody has been talking about. And Mike, you heard, I know, about the rink that our federal government is built it, on Parliament Hill. Five million dollars. Four point. Well, it's 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 going to eventually be that, but the actual cost was four point three million dollars for a temporary rink that was originally going to be only there for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Four point three million dollars for three weeks. Mm. Now, under pressure, they extended it to go, so it's going to be there for about a month and a half. Still, four point three million. There are rinks in communities yeah. that you could build permanently yeah. for less than that. Now. Here's where things get really stupid. Ottawa is not a warm city. Ottawa typically is pretty darn cold. By all means, yeah. It's now too cold, apparently, in <laughs> Ottawa to use the rink. They are, they've closed it now yeah. because the conditions are too cold for people to use. And so, and the, and the one most wonderful part about this is right next to that rink, meandering around Parliament Hill, of course... You know, is the world's longest naturally occurring rink <laughs> course, is the Rideau Canal, Rideau which is Canal. in terrific shape <laughs> that costs nothing. I mean, I know they have to occasionally do some work on it, but I mean, ultimately, it's 
basically nothing. And I'm just thinking, how how this government, another government, whatever. Why is our government always of whatever color, whatever stripe, doing stuff so stupid with our money? Why is that? Well, it's they it's, had to know this was a possibility. Quite possibly, we weren't in the room. Who knows? You know, let's give them, I guess, uh, a little bit of credit. They're trying to do something different. I understand they want to wrap up Canada's 150th birthday and so on and so forth. But the 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 thought of 4.3 million dollars right now, if you are low income housing, if you are poverty stricken, uh, if if you are looking for medication or to help cure something, it it, it is a little sickening. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I get that you want to be nice and you want to have this nice little fancy rank and all that and do something really cool, but it doesn't make any sense, Scott. And um, But this is our government. This is what governments do. And if but why? You go de- well, who knows why? The, the, they want to put it on their resume of, look what we did, that's great. Uh, we want to get voted in. Look what we tried to do for the community, for the country as a whole. Who knows what goes through a politician's mind? Who knows what conversations are happening um, behind closed doors? We truly don't know, but... They, they, they tried something. It didn't work. It failed miserably. Hopefully they learn from this and never do it again. Oh, they will. Of course they you, will. You, you would hope they wouldn't. Can, can you really be... Look, they built a rink on Parliament Hill specifically, I believe, for the visual so they could have a picture, a lovely picture of some mother and son or father and daughter or whomever skating around the rink wearing their toques with the pom-pom sure. and Parliament Hill in the background and all that stuff. They, they did this, I really believe they did this so they could get the perfect photo of quote, quote, Canadian. It's a marketing campaign that they hopefully they can use for years and years to come. But then once they built this rink, which by the way, they underlaid with all kinds of cooling systems, which again, seems rather ridiculous in Ottawa in the middle of winter. But anyway, they then put all kinds of rules on this. So there's no hockey, no racing, no horseplay, no this, no that which basically takes all the fun out of it, which Mm -hmm. again, to me, only establishes this was just a government photo op that they were trying to build. And now they find that it's too cold, you can't even do it. They had peewee teams for the Quebec peewee, not the Quebec, the Ottawa Capital Cup, it's called. There's a peewee tournament. And they were supposed to have outdoor games on there. Well, now those have been canceled because that's the only hockey that was going to be played on it. I just, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking how, when you're sitting down to spend $4.3 million, how do you not think through some of this and say, we have the stinking Rideau Canal. If you want pictures of Canadiana, there's That's your Canadian. There's your Canadian. You might even have a beaver walk across the Rideau Canal. You know, you'd be perfect. Well, even but, if you don't, you can buy, go to the shack and get a Killaloo beaver tail to <laughs> chew on. <laughs> you could Photoshop one in for crying out. This is the same government. I think this was the show we were on as well. We discussed where they spent a quarter of a million dollars on artwork for their budget book. Yes. So, so th- this is what they do. There's a surplus apparently of money. Yet they always cry poor. We don't, we don't have money for surplus. this. There isn't a surplus. Hey, they, they make it look with, like there is. They, th- th- it's just I, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around the concept of these meetings where someone says where where someone says this is a really good idea. And look, I can I can get that somebody might have showed up and said, hey, let's what if we put a rink on mm-hmm. Parliament Hill? And I'm at first blush when that shows up at the meeting. It's like, hey, let's discuss that. That yeah. could be kind of cool. And if they had put the Senator's outdoor game with the Canadians there. Makes a little more sense. Makes a little more sense. Okay, now maybe you can use it for something and you get the Senators and the Canadians both to pitch in and whatever else. 
what but, the idea that we're just going to make this for a public thing and then not allow the public really to do anything. It's our hard-earned tax dollars basically gone to waste one more time. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. We're talking about government money. We Last segment, if you're just joining us, last segment, we're talking about this $4.3 million arena they built on Parliament Hill. Mm-hmm. That first of all wasn't used very much. Second of all wasn't used for the right things, and now is not used at all because it's just too stinking cold in Ottawa. <laughs> so they've shut the thing down. Meanwhile, Rideau Canal, the world's <laughs> longest hockey rink, is right there at very little cost. I mean, I think they have some volunteers who do some work on it, but relatively speaking, yep. not four point three million dollars. And it led to the question. That'd be a hell of a Zamboni paycheck, though. Let me tell you. Imagine. <laughs> I've always thought it would be one of the greatest <laughs> hockey games ever. Set the nets up a mile apart. Like, if you go on a breakaway, you will pass out before you get to the other net. And the poor goalie for the team that's the really good team, he's just standing there like, is anyone still playing? Is anyone here? I don't even know if my team is still on the ice. I think they all went home for dinner. That is funny. Sorry. Uh, but the... Um, but we're talking about government money, and this to me, and you mentioned the the cover of the budget book from a while back where they spent, yeah, I think it was a quarter million Give dollars for a piece of artwork. Why do governments, Mike, decide that it's not our money, it's their money, and we can spend it on whatever stupid stuff we want to, because every government does this, to different degrees for sure, but every government does this. Every government at every At every level. level. Sure. They all do it. Um, and again, I, I don't have the answer, but you can start to just throw some things out there. Um, they're in power. Let's face it. There's an ego trip. They, they want to make sure that they're doing everything that they can, because I guess part of it is if, if, if they think the money's there, so we have to spend it somehow, because if we don't spend it, then it's, it, it's, it's just kind of wasted. If, if you No, will. it goes back to the people it that are used for good stuff. Which would be nice to see, but we never actually see that happen, ever. But the governments that come into power or the politicians that come into power typically fall into one of two different categories. The one on the fiscal conservative side is we don't want to waste your money. It's your money. We don't want to spend it willy-nilly or frivolously. We want you to get your money back so you can spend it. Mm -hmm. They come into office and by and large end up doing stuff like this and wasting taxpayers' money. The flip side is the social progressives who say the government is the answer to everything and we want to increase taxes or keep taxes where they are and we want to put more daycare, more this, more that. We want to have more social programs Mm -hmm. and then take money that could go to those social programs and spend it on stupid stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that... It's not that I'm arguing, I don't think you're arguing, I don't think anyone's arguing that we should have zero taxes. We know what taxes are supposed to go for. They're for roads, they're in Canada for medical, for education. Exactly. They're not for stupidity, in my mind, that is just to build photo ops for whatever government is in power, yet that's what happens over and over. And when you are sitting in these rooms, uh, it's almost almost too bad you couldn't have... um, mini referendums for some of these things. You know, here we have an idea of building an ice rink, but you know what? Let's bring this out to the people. Let's see what the people have to say. Because you know this would get shut down so quickly, you would think. Well, okay, who are the people though? Because who who is actually getting, and we're going back to the rink, but who's getting to use this? See, this is a rink that we are told is for Canadians. Mm-hmm. It's actually for Ottawanians. Ottawanians, Ottawa. Ottawa people. I don't even know what the word is for that. But uh, Ottawinis, 
Um, but <laughs> watch how you say that. But <laughs> so if you're not from Ottawa, if you're from Victoria, if you're from St. John's, if you're from Toronto, if you're from Windsor, if you're from Hamilton, if you're from pick your spot, Saskatoon, Regina, all those places. This is not a rink that's for you. No, and if you are traveling from Windsor or London, those cities you mentioned, you don't want to go on a man-made rink. You want to go onto the Rideau Canal. Exactly. That's what you want to do. That's the whole point of going to Ottawa. Now, I, I, I haven't seen the story because I've been hibernation for three weeks. <laughs> Have they shut down the Reno Canal as well? Or is that... Oh, no, no, no. That no. one's open. How do you, you shut down the Reno you, Canal? No, but you not allow skaters to go on it. That's what I mean. Are you not stopped? as far as I know. Okay, so people are still skating on the Reno Canal. They're just not skating on this well, man-made People were rink. skating okay. on the Reno Canal when it was colder than this back oh, in the day. When, of course they were. You know, I mean, that's... It, so, okay. yeah, so you can still skate in Ottawa. You just can't skate at this one rink that they decided. But again, it's, the, it's to me... Yeah, it's the it's probably a legal thing. They've decided that we can't afford to have oh, someone. Can you imagine that someone gets hurt? A on chunk this of rink? ice cracks because the ice is too cold, and you catch your skate in a rut, and you tear your knee, or you fall and whack your head, or whatever else, and we're going to be sued for whatever. So I understand it's it's almost certainly a legal opinion. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I, could again, you not have predicted that? You would think. Maybe they assumed it was going to be a warmer winter. Who who truly knows what goes on behind the scenes? Don't they check the farmer's almanac? Well, what do politicians really do from time to time? We honestly don't know. And I don't want to be harping on these guys too much because I think it was all in good intention. But at $4.3 million, it doesn't make any sense. But that's okay. So you're Michael Anlauer would love to have that $4.3 million for an actual rink here in Hamilton. I, I'll give you the good intentions. I'll give you the good intentions for some of them. For some of the politicians, some of them I really believe, some, it's how can we get reelected and what's the cool thing we can spend money on to make sure we are back in office. That's but what it comes down for to. some, I'll give you the good intentions, but even with that, Mike, you have good intentions for your wife and for your kids. I'm not spending $4.3 million on an ice rink in my backyard. You're not building, well, you're not building a rink in your backyard if you live next door to an arena that has public skates for a dollar every day or for free every day. You'll say, no, go next door and skate at the public rink. Common sense at some point has to prevail. But Unfortunately, with the government, it, it seems to be lacking from time to time. No, from all, for all the time. Okay, I'm sorry. It does, I'm trying to be nice. Every, okay. And, I, and I, I don't want, again, I'm not picking on a particular government. This is a problem with all levels and all stripes of government that it's forgotten with. When you get in office, you forget that it's not your money. It's our money. So how does that get changed then? It doesn't. Well, you'd like to think that it gets changed, but we've there's no evidence that anyone will change it. There's no evidence. Have you have you seen anybody? No. At, they say they speak a good game. They talk a good game. But have you seen any evidence that it actually gets changed? Not at all. Maybe for a brief period of time. Some government will come in and do what they're saying for a short season. And then the lure of that money, an election, re-election Eyes coming light up. up. Yep. Let's go. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. This week, Mike... There was, uh, we read that there was a guy, I think it was a guy, I'm assuming it was a guy. Let's, let's, let's make the simple assumption it's a guy because I don't ever remember hearing about a woman being charged with this. So, okay. we'll, you know, they're smarter than us. There was a guy <laughs> who was charged driving 165 kilometers an hour on the Red Hill Creek Expressway. Yeah. Stunt driving is the charge that he got hit with. It's a 90 zone. So he's going 75, almost double the speed limit yep. down Red Hill. And when I looked this thing up and in the story, it said this, that his potential penalty was a 2000 to a $10,000 fine. Mm-hmm. 
a possible two-year suspension and seven demerit points. That's the possible penalty that he could face. Mm-hmm. He didn't crash. Best I can tell, he didn't cause anyone else to crash. So in all likelihood, he won't get the maximum penalty if he's convicted, assuming he's convicted. If he's Correct. convicted, probably he does not get the maximum suspension. But even if he got the absolute highest end in this thing, mm-hmm. still trying to figure out why. To me, that still seems like a low end not significant kind of penalty for that kind of driving. I don't understand when we have problems on our roads, why drunk drivers and people who drive like this aren't facing absolute anvils falling on their head driving wise saying, you know what? 10 years you're off the road on first offense, boom, done, gone. You have lost the privilege to drive. You would certainly think that that would deter people, no doubt. But again, that's going back to our last segment where that's smart money that the government could spend on doing their research, their homework, uh, putting out all new driver codes and guides and all that stuff. But of course, that won't happen because that is smart and makes sense. This is just pure stupidity on every single level. And you're talking about, you know, the the losing of the license, the $10,000 fine. There's actually more at risk for this driver as well, because it's now going to be a potential snowball effect. Let's assume this individual now has to get to work. This individual has to get to work, but he can't drive. He or she can't drive. But you know what? Oh, I don't want to take the bus. I'm going to get back in my car. No one's going to catch me. He gets back. They get Not at 165 kilometers an hour. But you never know. You get back into your car. You're driving around. A cop pulls up behind you at a red light, puts in your, your license plate number. I've seen this happen. All of a sudden, you come up again. Now you're pulled over again. Now you're, now you're uh, being ticketed for driving without a, a license, without insurance. Like It's a spiraling effect for this guy. You didn't even talk about lawyer fees, potentially. Yeah, but all that's... So, okay, so you're right. And so all that stuff could, and that's assuming that because he broke the law once, he's going to break the law again. We're in assuming a different it's way. only been once. We don't know how many times this per. And you know, is this going? This is going to go in front of a judge. We don't know what this person's driving record is like. Maybe you do get a one-time pass. Who truly knows? Something like that would scare the bejeebers out of me. I was very close one time. It's embarrassing to say. Um, I I was doing a little bit more than I should have in a fifty zone. You're talking about speed. Yes. Um, and it was it was just a stupid brain cramp. It was because I had to get back to Sobeys because they were holding a special set of knives for me. I'd collected so many stickers, but I they could they were only going to hold it for me until six o'clock. And I went down Mohawk, and I was almost doing double. It's stupid. I wanted to beat the light. I got caught. Ca- ca- officer was fantastic with me. Had a nice conversation with me. Um, but he said, look, here's where things could be. But because I was, had a clean driving record, there was no issues with them. You know, I, I got my ticket. I had to pay my ticket. But people are, sometimes you have the brain cramp. Sometimes you have to give someone a benefit of a doubt. But I don't think, uh, your, your story notwithstanding, when you're going 165 kilometers an hour, you're not in a brain cramp category anymore you know how fast you're going. And I know you know how fast you're going because you must have been just by the cars that they must have looked like they were parked. And you're going, he was going, this person was going south. So you're going up the hill, I believe as well. Was that right? I don't even know which direction. I I think I read the release. I think they were going south on the red hill. So that means you're going uphill. Yeah. So yeah, 165, you're trying to push it. Who knows? 
it just seems to me that if we're going to have people, and thankfully there's not many, but if you're going to have people who do this, and I read recently that drunk driving in Hamilton was up 50%. Another big number. This December. I can't and, remember and, what the exact number was. but And I think this is the third or fourth stunt driving ticket that was given out. I think this month alone, there was a few earlier in December, late November, uh, just going down King Street along downtown Hamilton in uh, fancy high-end cars, young drivers. Uh, again, being uh, they're entitled, they probably don't work, they probably take mom and dad's car out. Uh, there's all these little things that play factor into these people not only putting their lives but other people's lives at risk well that's the that's the biggest part if you if you want to drive this fast and you want to crash your car and you want to kill yourself i'm not encouraging that that's terribly sad but way sadder when you crash into the back of a car that's got a family in it of course terrific and yeah if this is if this is mom or dad's car i don't know if it is or not that's well, a nice, that's a fun conversation that you have when you get home. Hey, uh, sorry, your car's in the pound. Why? Well, you're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. This stunt driving charge, and it's not particularly to this charge. I'm just tired of these things and the drunk driving. We said they went up by fifty percent apparently in Hamilton this year. Mm-hmm. Clearly, whatever the charges are, whatever the penalties are. For most rational thinking people who would never do this anyway, mm-hmm. it's irrelevant. But clearly the penalties for those who would do this stuff are not resonating. They're not, they're clearly not sufficient to make people stop and think. Again, for the 99% of people who would say, I'm never going to drink and drive. I'm never going to drive 165 on Red Hill. The penalties don't matter because they don't factor into your life. Right. But if I'm at a party... And I know that the penalty for drinking and driving is not, you know, it's inconvenient, but relatively speaking, it's not that hard. I may actually take a, take a shot at it. I may take a chance and drive home. If I think, mm-hmm. which, I, which I suggest, on first offense convicted of drunk driving, you have a 10-year license ban. Let's just not even fool around. Let's just hammer it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more people say, now it's not worth it. If I've had a couple drinks, I'm not even going to take the chance. No, and and I agree, but you're going to have a number of people out there as well say, well, why can't I go out and have a drink, enjoy myself, and and make sure, if it's just one drink, why should that? Why should I be penalized for ten years? But it's years? not just one drink. I know but it's, it's not. not. And and I look, we're not defending s- or giving explanations on how to drink and drive. No. That's not the case. But if you have a drink and you're at a party for an hour or two, you're not going to blow over the limit. You, you don't know because everyone's body type is made up differently. You might. Who and and it was is it okay? Is if it you weigh twenty pounds, is it a, is it a, is it a shot of whiskey? Or was it a, a, a beer? Or was it a glass of wine? Because each one of those spirits is a little bit different. Affects everyone bit. differently. So you know, listen. I'm completely on your side. You know, you go out, plan ahead. It's a hundred percent preventable. Of preventable, as Chief Gert and has said many times through the Hamilton Police Services. Just don't drink and drive. But again, we, we're we're in a different type of society now where. People are feel entitled to drive, and I think people forget driving is a privilege, that's not right. a right. That's right. And, and you and, said and, entitled, and that's, I think you're right, but it is a privilege. And we're also in a, in a time now where kids are not learning to drive cars; they're learning to drive computers. Think about that for a second. What do you mean? Well, when you and I 
started to learn to drive. We didn't have all the fancy stuff in our car. It was actually oh, I see. It, it was it was it was it wasn't automatic steering. Though you actually had to drive a vehicle. You had to check blind spots. You had to look in no mirrors. rear mirror camera. You didn't have all. beeping and all this stuff. So when I say people are now learning to drive computers as opposed to cars, they don't know how to handle themselves when they're when they're in in awkward positions. And and that's what is leading to a lot of the speed. That's what's leading to no, that doesn't lead to the drinking part by any means. But that's what leads to a lot of stupidity because people don't know how to drive a car properly. And I've thought for a long time now that the driving curriculum should be changed. You sh- you should learn to drive the newer cars differently. There has to be something that these companies can put in place. We have to learn how to drive a car differently where you can shut off all the bells and whistles and there should be an should there not be an option i mean it's an interesting position should there be an option when you get into your car that you can actually say bells and whistles are off that mom and mom and dad you can control mike when you you've got kids you can control what shows your kids watch on netflix Mm -hmm. you can set parental standards Mm -hmm. what you can't do as far as i know is set a little button to have an app or something for your car that says you know what? The radio will only go to a certain volume, or will you won't work. You can't press buttons when you're driving because you can't t- on your G- on your screen in your car. Most of them, you can't type in addresses on the GPS while you're driving. You can't dial the phone pad while you're driving, but you can still change buttons and listen for music and all those other things, which has always been the case. Of course. Maybe that's something we need is something where you can hit an app where it says mom or dad is at home and you're taking the car out and they can hit the kid driving button, which shuts off everything except the essentials. I think you've just come up with a million dollar idea. Trademark that sucker. But do you see where I'm coming from? My 2018 retirement plan. <laughs> an app to, to slow things down. But it just, I've thought this for quite a while now. And, and if, if you really think about it, you're you're letting a youngster get into a what? A 4,000-pound piece of bullet, basically. Yeah, well said. And um, they're entitled. They haven't been maybe given the proper um, upbringing on how to take this responsibility. They're probably not driving. They're probably on their parents' insurance. All these little things where it's like, give me the keys. I got to go. Let's go have some fun. Now, listen, we've all been guilty of it as well. When we first got our license, sure. Did we crank up the tunes a little bit? Did we have some fun? Yes. Yes. But we knew how to actually drive. Well, some of us. Some people did. I, I, but again. Some are better than others. Back to this very quickly as we head out. Yeah. My I have no, I have no, I, I don't know if the government was to make a proposal to say for this kind of driving or drunk driving, we are going to come down with a 10-year first-time ban. Who is going to argue against that? What government, what, what, what party is going to stand up and say, no, we are for drunk driving? Fair enough. There's nobody. But now, I don't see any reason why this wouldn't happen. So, Scott, you rely on your license. You do go out to a party. You I'm not going to do that stuff. But you have one. Let's say you have two beers and you get pulled over and you get busted. You're without a license for 10 so years. So I'm not going to do it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. But I read a really interesting piece by George Will the other day. And I don't know that this is upbeat. I don't know if it's downbeat. It's just sort of beat. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting idea. He was saying at the end of 2017, we as a society are addicted to outrage. We are addicted to indignation mm-hmm. that when we're not upset about something, we go looking for something to make us upset 
for reasons that are a little bit unclear, I suppose. I don't know mm-hmm. why we all want to be upset, but if you look at the at the evidence, I don't think he's wrong. It's almost like it's the new normal. Well, it is the new normal, but I what I don't understand is why we would want to constantly be outraged. But we do. We seem to want to always have some burr under our saddle. Well, and I think there's a lot of things at play as to why we are like that. And I think you can even look as far as south of the border and a certain leader who um, likes to to yell, scream down at people. I believe firmly that social media and keyboard warriors and being able to, um, to, to yell at people or mock people or, or tell people they're wrong through instant messaging or Twitter or Facebook is a lot easier to do than to go face to face to someone. And that can then get that outrage going. Uh, you have to be a very special person to not let a lot bother you. And no matter how many gym sessions you do or how many love songs you try to listen to to calm yourself down, it just doesn't seem to be enough nowadays. And you, we as a society have, have brought all of this upon ourselves. This outrage and this 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 mean spirited way of, of living our, our daily lives, and, and it's that, unfortunate. Do you believe? As I, I mean, I do believe that social media is largely, not oh. entirely, but is largely to blame for this because every single thing that, in any way, it seems affects us or catches our ear in a funny way, we have to then have a hot take that is going to shoot down, shout down whoever that person was who said that kind of thing. There's no there's no mistakes anymore, right? You don't make a mistake. If you say something that, if someone slips and says something that is not quite to your political, philosophical liking, there is no margin for error. Maybe that person just misspoke. Maybe this... They're an idiot. They're a racist. They're Mm -hmm. a sexist. They're a homophobe. They're a this. They're a that. They're a whatever. We don't have any time to reflect. It's immediate and it's outrage all the time. That's right. Because you can be laying in your bed. You can be at your office. You can be at a car in your stoplight and you can put a response out there. Um, well, on, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Light. That's illegal. But people do do it still. <laughs> you, That's true. You literally have an avenue now to put a response out to anything you see. Um, you go to any news channel nowadays, and you don't see a lot of heartfelt good news stories. All of it is negative. All it all of it is is tearing one person down, and and someone else making it worse. So it's it. I put more of the blame on social media than I think you are probably doing. Well, I think, I mean, cable news north and south of the border have had an awful lot to do with this as well. And and those stations, I mean, you, you go to MSNBC or CNN or Fox yeah. or any of them, they have 24 hours a day to fill now. And there's only so many sweeping shots of fields of daisies they can show no, of to course. keep ratings. They have to have outrage. And and you also have to look at um you have to look at the everyday person nowadays working one, two, maybe even three jobs. There's a lot of blended or split families nowadays. There's a lot of additional extra pressure put on families to bring up a single child to bring up two or three kids you have to worry about your groceries your electrical bills how are we going to get the kids to college oh my car broke down and you are just putting so much on yourself so when you go on to social media you see something on cable news it's almost like your escape so i can yell at this now it detracts from my own problems with something 
else that's stupid going on that I'm angry about. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Donald Trump, and that's a completely valid point. He is the, I don't know if he's the king of Twitter anger, but he's up there. But it's on, but it goes on both sides. The, the People who are conservative are angry. People who are liberal are angry. People who are neutral politically are angry. But he's almost started, he set a precedent where it's, it's, it's okay for anyone, no matter what your social status is now, to be angry, to be outraged, to be able to yell down at someone. Well, if the president's doing it, guess what? I'm going to do it as well. Maybe. Now, maybe. now you, you look at someone like uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, you might not always agree with his politics and, and, and how he handles certain things, but do you ever see him get outraged? Do you ever see him yelling and screaming? He's usually pretty cool, calm, and collected. He might flub up the odd word or not have an answer right away, but he's not yelling down at people. He's not telling people you're an idiot. He's not blaming media for stuff. He's taking some, I think, responsibility and ownership on most things. I'm just using that as one example. It might be a poor example, but there's a leader that he's composed at least. I would argue that most world leaders do that. Donald Trump certainly is unique in how he has taken the taken to Twitter and, and used it the way he does. There's no question about that. There is no question, but this is a, I think that, I believe that he is a reflection rather than the light that is shining to create that reflection. I think he is simply responding in the same way that everyone else is. He didn't, I don't think he, I don't believe, unlike Al Gore who invented the internet, I don't think that, it, <laughs> tongue in cheek, I don't think Donald <laughs> Trump invented Twitter. And he is simply using it in a way that a lot of other people have. He just has a loftier status so that it is a lot louder when he does it. And, and, and you know, he, he's almost a genius when it, when it comes to this thing. But go, going back to the outrage, the original question, it's, it's very difficult nowadays to, to, to keep your cool based on everything that I had alluded to earlier. We are under an enormous amount of pressure on a daily basis now. No matter who you are, what you're trying to do, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's bring up a family, um, there's just uh, as a society, it's 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 very difficult nowadays. But there are things, Mike, and this is this was a secondary story that was uh, that I was reading. The things this year, among the things that were accused of being racist. Okay, mm-hmm. so now, and this is just one venue, but Dr. Seuss was called racist. And hoop earrings were called racist. And I read this just this week that farmers markets are racist. And I'm looking at this going, you know, there is racism. There is, we know certainly with what's going on with the hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. And with the Harvey Weinstein, we know there is sexism and those, those things going on. We know there are real problems in of the course. world. We know there really are, but we seem as a society, North and South of the border, as I say, to look for the most minuscule slights to get outraged. And what I don't understand, and we all know someone, we all know people who are like this. There are people who can only be happy when they're unhappy. Yeah, They must be angry about something. Maybe it's because that's the only thing they can feel. Because what, to- what they like to do is they like to bring everyone else down to their level, and then they feel like they've accomplished something. Maybe. And maybe that's part of it. I have, Look what I've done. I've taken this whole room from here, and I brought them down to my level. Hey, I'm pretty happy now. Why well, you? Everyone else around you is negative. And I've seen that in action. I've seen that at, at offices or in boardrooms. So it, and it's, it's so much easier to be angry and negative 
than it is to always be happy. If you think about that, it's easier to be negative than it is to be happy. I I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But why then do we not? We've got social media. And social media is, you're right, it's easier to be negative. We have this tool that has been largely, not entirely, but largely used for that. Why do more people then, if everyone agrees with this, and I think most people would, yeah, you know what, we are pretty ornery. We are pretty irate and outraged all the time. Why do people not then turn around and say, I'm going to, in 2018 and 2017, I'm going to use this tool to be happier, to bring less anger. And uh, and I don't see that as being something that people are saying I really want to do. Well, and I think a lot of people try to start off a new year that way. They they, they set <laughs> they last until two o'clock on January first. That's right. They 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 set goals for themselves, whether it's financial, whether it's weight loss, healthy, eating, whatever the case might be. But what I've learned over the years and talking to various mentors and all that, it has to be it has to be a whole lifestyle change. You you have to put yourself in better positions. To say I'm gonna be happy and positive twenty four seven, that's also not realistic. You have to put you have to put in some certain goals for yourself throughout the day and maybe build towards it because you're going to crash and burn, as you mentioned, I, no, I within agree. a couple hours. But it seems to me, and we got to go to break, it seems to me we have rewired our brains almost in a sense. We've rewired ourselves to say, so that at the slightest provocation, we are now offended. I don't believe that our parents or our grandparents got offended the way or great grandparents got offended the way we do. We it does not take much nowadays for someone to find something to be offended by and mm-hmm. just to jump on that. I mean again, not not that the old days were always better. They weren't no, always better. Of course not. They weren't always better. But do you think that if someone said something to, what about that old line which I know it's not a perfect thing, but sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. There are things that people say that should never be said. We all know that. Or or if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But what happened to the idea that someone could say something that bothers you, bothers you, but you say, you know what? I'm not going to be bothered getting worked up about this. We don't have that not getting worked up about this thing anymore. Everything gets us worked up. About Everything something. gets under our skin nowadays. We don't know how to turn it off. Uh, and to those that do know how to do it, hey, all the power to them. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's one person I know that d- very little bothers him, and that's my dad. And he's he's a guy I look up to. Nothing you can say really bothers this guy. It's truly unbelievable. Well, you can try, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's going to be awfully tough because he's the kind of guy that can just let things roll right off his shoulder. See, that's so healthy, and so it few is. people do that. It is. It's it's very healthy, and I wish more people would be able to do that. Uh, but again, we're we're tuned into these things, and he's holding up his cell phone since we're on radio, and you sorry, couldn't yeah. see on the camera sorry. there. Hey, but you know what? In all fairness, uh, you know, going back to my dad, I know we got to go out no, of the okay. second. He's not on social media. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have Twitter. He doesn't have a phone. You went away for a couple days over the last over this break. You yes. were away for a few days. And I know you were on you said before the show, you were on your phone, but not nearly as much as you normally would be. Right. Did you find that was refreshing? Um, I find it that more it was re- brain cleansing. If if I'm on a plane and I go to a tropical paradise and I don't have my phone on me at all, yes, very much so. But because I was gone for a couple days and this thing is still with me on my hip in my pocket, not as much. Okay, but go back to that last thing then, because I share the same thing. If I go away and I have whether I have it, I don't use it. It's not turned on, 
And I feel the same way that for those days that I'm away and I'm not tucked, I'm not tied into the phone, I feel better. I feel my brain is relaxed. I feel nicer. I feel kinder. I feel happier. Mm-hmm. And I hear that from a lot of people. If that's the case, Mike, why are we not taking that lesson? Because th- we've th- this is our life now. Because our calendars are in there. To ask anyone to remember a phone number. No one memorizes phone numbers nowadays. Everything is is in this phone. Your life is consumed by these things. And Google Home and and Alexa. All these things are going to make it even worse for people uh, because you don't have to think anymore. You have someone else doing everything for you. Do you You're know? N- you speak a phone. Do you know your best friend as a kid? Do you know his or her phone number still? Uh, for, yes, I do. From when I had to call 20, 25 years ago. Yes, I do yeah. know that number. I don't yeah, know I, their new number now. No, no, I don't either. But I know that when I call, I call my buddy Ward all the time. Seven, eight, three, four, four, two, eight. That's yeah. 40 years ago. Yeah. And that number, and you know what? I, I hate to do this. You're right. I cannot right now, I could not call my kids on their cell phone without my phone because the number is in there. I don't even learn it anymore. Yeah. I just hit the button. So we, we've 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 become lazy. We've, as you said, we've rewired ourselves to have someone else do all the thinking for us. And by doing that, when we see something that upsets us, it just it's it's an outlet for us. It's we we just want to. So rage. if the phone tells us the numbers and the phone tells us the news, and then the phone tells us our opinion, that's what we jump on. There you go. You know what? I don't disagree with that. It's a really, it's a much deeper answer than I expected on, you know, the last show and, of the year. Trust me. It's a lot deeper than I thought I could actually get out today. So, <laughs> but you know, what? There's some, there, I'm sure there is something to that, that we have wired ourselves in a lot of ways to be so reliant on devices, computers, whatever else, that what we see there then triggers something in our brain. I'm sure that what's that, uh, you know, the Pavlovian dog or the whatever else, that there is a dopamine reaction if that's possible right that and i don't know how you unwire that that's the problem as you go into 2018 you say you know what and i'm sure there's a lot of people saying i am going to be happier this year i am going to let less bother me i am going to be not affected by what donald trump or what hillary clinton or what anyone north of the border says i am going to let that roll off me like your dad does that will last until the first the first time they click on a cable news channel, their first bill comes in, their first discussion they have to have back at the office on January 2nd or 3rd. Yeah, sad. It is. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. So we found out this week, Mike, that the CFL has now given its thumbs up. Randy Ambrosi, commissioner of the CFL, has said, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, is cleared, is eligible, is okay if he wants to come to the Canadian Football League. And I think it's a fair guess to think that he probably will since the Ticats coach, June Jones, said not only is he a good player, he would be the best Mm -hmm. player ever to set foot on Canadian football fields, which made me believe maybe June Jones had hit the eggnog a little early this year. Don't put any pressure on this kid. Uh... Are you a fan of this? Assuming the Ticats do end up signing him, and I really, I, I, I think it sounds close to inevitable. And if they don't mm-hmm. sign him, mm-hmm. they'll trade him somewhere. But I think they'll want to sign him. Do you? Is this a good move? You know, I'm, I'm really on the fence about this one, uh, based on what Johnny Manziel kind of represents and what he has gone through. If Johnny Manziel can come to the Canadian Football League and come to Hamilton, and let's face it, we all know he's trying to get back to the NFL. It won't be a, I doubt it will be a long-term stay here. However, if he comes to the CFL, this city of Hamilton, and if he can embrace the city of Hamilton, 
And if he can really other than Hess Village show another yeah or or any local establishment and really show um, who he can be and that he has learned some lessons by all means. There is a lot of pressure put on upper management of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Tillman, Austin, and Jones right now, um, based on the whole Art Bryle situation, which what with what happened, Johnny Manziel really has to stay squeaky clean. And the Tie Cats, I certainly hope they because they've they've partnered up with Interval House now. I certainly hope that they have put or will put the right measures in place to ensure that Johnny Manziel succeeds. And that might even mean having a handful of veterans on the the team to to hiring a handler babysit the kid you know you know who used to do that and then now it was self-imposed back then but when josh hamilton remember the baseball player texas Texas rangers um he had had all kinds of drug and alcohol problems he had actually he was a first overall draft pick who drank and drugged himself right out of baseball until he came back he had the handler he hired a person basically i don't know if he hired him he chose him to be with him 24-7. 24-7. Pretty close. So yeah. that if he was tempted to relapse, to go back, that this person would not let him go to the bars, would basically be mm-hmm. his, I, I mean, I hate to say the word babysitter because it sounds ridiculous, well, but I mean, that's essentially what it was. We're not going to let you get yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think the Thai Cats have almost as much, maybe more, riding on this than Johnny Manziel if he does come here. Because after the Art Bryles thing, <laughs> you imagine how this plays for the Thai Cats if Johnny Manziel's here for three or four weeks and suddenly we have a police report that he got into a scuffle somewhere or there's something going on. I mean, this would be PR... It would be a nightmare. nightmare and we, we saw how they handled the Art Bryles situation, which you know I still think some people are shaking their heads on how they handled that. Um, but if if these if this higher office wants to wants to do this, then so be it. I, I believe that they've probably had lots of talks with Interval House and uh, to make sh- you would think to make sure that this is all copacetic and everyone's on the same page. Uh, Johnny's got a lot riding on this as well. There's no question about it. And you know, you you never wish any ill will on anyone. Nope. You hope this. You hope he can come in, light it up and do really well. And if if the fans of the Hamilton Tiger Cats get a few more W's out of it, a Grey Cup championship out of it, hey, then I think everyone will be happy. Well, they see, here's the other thing. And let's go, go to football, actual football, for just a minute. Because the Hamilton Tiger Cats also have on the field an awful lot riding on this. I mean, Johnny Manziel, if I'm them, I'm looking at him right now and I'm saying, all right, I don't. we think he can play, but he's never played in the CFL. We know there's a lot of Americans who have come up here looking like they will tear this league apart, mm-hmm. and they fail miserably. Of course. But he's going to sell season tickets. Yeah. He's going to sell Manziel Ticat jerseys, mm-hmm. and he is going to get the Ticats on ESPN highlights down in the States. That, to me, I think trumps everything else for the Ticats. They would like to win, but this has a huge business opportunity written all over it for them. If you win... If, if I don't he, even if, think if he, d- what, what if what if he comes in and they they go zero and eight again? But guess you've already what? sold a lot of your tickets because people have have wanted to come and see Johnny Manziel. But you're not you've selling sold this guy. But you're not selling the jerseys. All of a sudden, you're not a lead story on ESPN. You, you might not even make it to the the highlights after uh, your zero and eight, zero and nine. All of a sudden, and they just say, "Oh, he's a washed up hack," and this was a failed uh, experiment. But there's another part of this that is very 
challenging, I think, I expect for the Ticats. Again, from a football perspective. You've got Zach Caleros here, who was, I think, the highest paid player in the CFL last year. Half a million year. dollars, I think. You've got Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's a free agent, who was June Jones' hand-picked starter, the guy that he really liked, and that presumably wants, you would like to have back. He wants, he, even he wants to be back here. And Johnny Manziel, who I just have such a hard time believing that he wants to come to Hamilton to play for minimum wage or something close to it and be the backup. I don't see Johnny Manziel saying, I'm coming to the CFL to stand on the sidelines. I just don't see that. Maybe I'll be shocked and he'll be the most humble, learning guy. But I think when he and his agents and people are talking, they're saying, no, he's coming here to play. Mm-hmm. So you got to get rid of Caleros. He's, he's gone. That was evident And if I'm year. Jeremiah Mazzoli now, looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, do I want to sign a contract with Hamilton to go back to being a backup. Because even if he's told he's going to be the starter, the crowd is going to be baying for Johnny Manziel as soon as Jeremiah Masoli has a bad game. And mm-hmm. you got to believe Manziel is going to go in and get a turn and get a chance. And I So now, whether Masoli comes back or not, let's say he doesn't. Let's say he looks around for free agency and chooses somewhere else. Now, if Manziel is like so many other Americans who doesn't work out despite your initial thought that he'd be great, what happens to their season then? Well, if your one quarterback is a complete bust well, we, or we, gets in trouble we see what or happens. gets hurt. We see what happens with teams in the CFL that don't have a good quarterback. You tank and you're, you have a losing record and you're out of the playoffs yet again. You know, and, and I think the a lot one, riding on this one guy. I, I think the one person that's getting the biggest shaft, if you will, is almost a Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's put in his time, who's paid his dues, who has been to every practice. And you've never heard this kid complain. He plays hard. He sits on the bench. He's ready when he's called upon. And all of a sudden now he's getting in the back seat. You know, I, I would like to see Jeremiah Mazzoli be a starter somewhere in the league. I'd love to see him be a starter here in Hamilton, but it's not going to happen. So what do you do? I don't know what you do if you're Jeremiah. I don't know what information is being given his way. Who, who knows? That, this whole thing, let's be honest, is predicated on the fact that for him to have the decision to make, there has to be interest in him from other teams. We don't, we don't know, know if we've we seen don't that. know if that exists or not. No. If no one else wants him, then his only option will be to Hamilton. come back here. Yeah. But when and, you and, look, if he, and if if that is his only option, he's going to come here. He's going to bring his lunch bucket every day, and you're not going to hear a boo out. He's not going to complain because he's got he's wired properly. He he knows what it's like to be a backup. His whole life has basically been a backup in the pro leagues. So I think he would actually be able to take the job properly, and he'd be ready to go if Manziel was to fizzle out. But when June Jones has already said that Johnny Manziel will be the best player ever to play in the CFL. Mm. That is not the comments that you make if you're planning to stand a guy on the sidelines for the year. There's no way. Exactly. June Jones, if if Johnny Manziel, now maybe that was just to lure him here, maybe that's to stroke his ego or whatever else, but if you bring him here, I just can't believe a coach who said that is doing that for the guy to be a backup and learn the game for a year. Because June Jones may not even be here the following year. Who knows? No coach knows if he's going to be here the next year. It's not a, that's not a knock on Jones. That's any no. coach in any sport. You don't know year to year what your future holds. So I I just don't see the possibility. I don't see the real the realistic possibility that if Manzel were to sign that he is a backup that he is standing around learning the game like so many quarterbacks are supposed to do and so that puts Mazzoli in 
that bind that you're talking about. Well, and, and maybe it's possible, you know, Johnny's already been given the, the, the keys to the, the offensive playbook and he's already been studying and there's a, it's a long off season. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? But another part to this whole situation is, let's face it, Hamilton doesn't have the greatest O-line. And no matter how good of a quarterback you are, and Manziel's a little older now, he doesn't have the speed he used to. I'm sure he's still he's fast. Still he, young, he can but... still get around, but he's not, he's not 21 anymore. Now you're 25. Um, if you don't have the right O-line in front of you, no matter how good you are, you're still going to get pummeled back there. And you can only take so many hits. Well, and Mazzoli, one of the things, one of the reasons he got the start was because he was mobile. Mm-hmm. And, and and Johnny's so, mobile. Yeah, so they're both, so they both can move around. They bo- And Manziel, I'm not arguing Manziel is not a potentially better quarterback. He certainly was a better quarterback. Well, they were both pretty good in college. But the fact is, though, I go back to this one. This is a, to me, off the field, in the business side, in the ticket selling side, in the merchandise selling side, and on the field in winning games, mm-hmm. this is an enormous risk for the Ticats. It could pay off. It could pay off hey. great. They could they could sell out the, out the building. He could win all the games that he plays. He could be the best. He could be what June Jones says, or <whistles> high risk, high reward. You know, it's 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 you're gambling a lot on this, as you alluded to, one player. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune in studio. A few more minutes of 2017 chatting coming to an end. Coming to an end. Coming to a rapid end. So 2018, Mike is going to present us, and you do work on Cable 14 political stuff. You uh, you do politics on there as well, hosting shows. It is going to present us with two, not one, but two elections, yeah. provincial and municipal election. There was a poll. I don't know if it's still up, but it was up earlier today and yesterday. There was a poll up online at the spec.com, Hamilton Spectator website, asking people, will you be voting in both the provincial and municipal election? What, what percent do you think clicked yes in that poll? I'm going to say less than 40%. 89% said, yes, I will be voting in both the provincial and municipal elections, which tells me one of two things. Either the folks who voted in this are abject liars or the people who voted, who read that website are the engaged folks in municipal and provincial politics because we know darn well Nowhere close to 90% of people are going to vote. If you get 25% now in the municipal election, Mm -hmm. that's a good turnout. And provincial, I don't know what provincial might be. If you get 50%, maybe, I think that's very high. Very high. Why is that? Why are we so, we talk a good game, but we just don't, when it comes down to it, we just don't go out and vote. We don't. It's funny, we've talked about a, a few things during this last two hours. We've talked about how the government spent $4.3 million and wasted our money on a, on a rink. We've talked about um, how south of the border we have a politician who likes to yell and scream and shows lots of outrage. I think we have become desensitized as a society. I think we have stopped caring. And as much as we want to care, we throw our hands up in the air and say, nothing is going to change, no matter who you put in there. At any three levels of government, nothing is going to change. And the politicians themselves are the ones to blame, I think, for some of this, because there's a lot of speak. There's a lot of um, 
we, we've got into power, everything is all fun and games, and then a few months in, as we've discussed, you know, their mindset changes, their their look on, they, they forget what it's like to be an everyday constituent, all of a sudden they are in there making the decisions, um, some perks might come their way, um, you know, they, they almost walk around, and, and we as voters, we almost sometimes, we put them on a, we, I had this conversation over the holidays, we put politicians on a pedestal for some reason. We put them really high up there when at the end of the day, they're no different than you and I. We should all be walking. Mike, they are public servants. They are servants to the people, Michael. Yeah. I think it's actually time for that name to change. When you're making the salaries, they are, I don't know that they're, I'm not dumping on all of them, but they're not servants to anybody now. We are servants to the government. We are all servants to the government. Mm Mm-hmm. Public servant to me is an oxymoron at this point. But anyway, carry on. No, and, and everything you're saying is right. I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't know, because you, 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 you still have to want to have respect for a politician and what they do, because gosh knows, it's a thankless job. You can't win, you can't lose. Um, but they themselves maybe have to look a little deeper and, and, and try to make some changes they can. Easier said than done. It's not going to happen. Um, and, and that's why I think, you know, the, the poll that you said, 89%, I, I think it's a little far-fetched. We're not going to see that type of number come out. I, I don't know why we, we put politicians at such a high high level. Because it's, well, I think the answer, and again, I, I, I do think that the public servant thing is a little bit of a uh, grandiose statement that speaks to a great level of humility that, Mm-hmm. doesn't always exist. In some cases it does. But there is so much of our lives that is dictated and determined by governments and by rules that are passed by governments and by edicts and by laws and by taxes and by everything else. And these are the handful of people who have that have the say to make those things happen. And I, I to further your point, and I, I think you're on the right track, I really do, I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference now. Even between the liberals and the conservatives or the NDP, there is some difference, but there's not like once upon a time where you are really choosing two vastly different directions for your country or for your province. I mean, look, in in the provincial election that's coming up, I really don't know what are the significant, and I've tried to follow it. I have followed it. What are the massive differences between what the conservatives would do from what the liberals did? I don't see the, if I'm the conservatives, I am painting, I'm putting together a platform that is antithetical Mm -hmm. to Kathleen Wynne's government, but they're not. What they're trying to do is create a, you know, little tiny differences. Well, it'll be better here. It'll be better there, but you're not drawing a clear enough thing that would inspire people to say, I'm either for you or I'm for you. It looks like it's all just about getting power. It's about getting power. It's about your ego being stroked, and it's about a huge paycheck at the end of the day. Um, I I do believe that there are a number of politicians out there that aren't um, politically educated, and they're getting in because they might have a name, they might have a face. Uh, well, that's always been the case, though. I, mean, I know us, it always, we, we but, media but people, maybe that needs lots to, of us who have run. I'm it, not, by the way. I never will. Will you? But no. No. But maybe that has to change. You know, maybe maybe some new parameters have to be put in, um, and, and the people need to take a stance. 
and say, you know, we, we want to see um, better candidates running. I don't know if there's a way that as a because there's let's face it, there's more of us than there are politicians out there. Why can't we make a stance ourselves and say, you know what, we're tired of this. We want to see changes and maybe we do something as a society. What it is, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I look at the numbers again and I, I think we'll probably come in at around twenty three or twenty four percent, which is depressing for a municipal. Mostly because I think many people now see it as a foregone conclusion. There are certain candidates, there are certain elected officials who have been around for long enough that their name recognition is so high and they've and look and they've done enough things to make their constituents happy. Sure. You know, someone calls and says I've got a problem with my road and it gets fixed. And it gets fixed and you say, "So why do I yeah. want to get rid of that person?" Yeah. And that is smart politics. I'm not going to lie. That is smart politics sure. by that politician. Yeah. They walk around with their clipboard and they start making notes and checking stuff off. Let's get and this fixed. And that's what you should be. Get, that's what yeah. you should be doing. But if, but you, if you're new coming in, you don't have that power. You can't so nothing's going to change. You can't, you can't topple, topple them. them. So I think for a lot of people who haven't necessarily called their local politician and got that kind of response to fix the road or whatever, who are simply coming into this as outsiders who would like to see change, you know you can't change it. Mm -mm. And so by and large, unless a, unless a municipal politician retires or moves up to higher office or something, that seat is, pro or does something so horrible, which we haven't had here. We haven't had a, we haven't had a solid scandal on Hamilton City Council in a long, long time. Well. Which is fine. Which is fine. Well, yeah, okay. I'm I talking about the kind of thing that would, you know, really blow the doors off. We've had little things. Well, I, 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 again, I don't want to hash up old things, but you, you had the issue with the independent journalist getting shoved. No, but you, I'm saying that's all, that's all in in the grand scheme of things. Those are small potatoes. I'm talking uh, about a a okay. full blown, you know, Fair okay, big Fair time enough. scandal. We've had nothing like that that would actually cause people to rise up and say, "I can't have that person represent my city." I, I would hope that in 2018, when we have two elections, it doesn't take a lot to get to the polls. Just Get to the poll. Do it for the, for the couple minutes that it takes. Even if you think that it's a foregone conclusion, even if it's a horrible, mm -hmm. you know, if your belief is that you just, it does not going to, just, just do it anyway. I, I made my kids, when I when my kids were young, I made them say. come to the ballot box, even though they weren't old enough to vote, just to say, we do this. Yeah, this is what we process. do. I do the this exact same thing. This is what things. we do. We, we do the exact same thing with our kids. You just go, you show them your license. This is how it's done. This is what you are supposed to do. Not enough parents take that. Um, and maybe because they don't have the time, I whatever hope, it is. I hope that's going to happen in Anyways, 2018. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Mike, uh, you got big plans for New Year's Eve? Uh, hopefully stay up until midnight. That's pretty much it. That's no, hopefully. We, we have a little tradition amongst the four of us. We uh, will be going to our local place, getting a nice steak, lobster, shrimp, crab, cheese plate, Fill up, have a nice big meal going into the new year, get to midnight, and we'll crash. No wonder it's hopefully stay up. I'd be asleep on the couch <laughs> after that. <laughs> no, we, we keep things very low-key. Scott, we'll do some karaoke with the kids, have lots of laughs, and just start the new year off on a fresh foot. You know, I don't drink going into the new year. I, I haven't had a drink going into New Year's now for about uh, seven, eight years. I just, we don't do much either. 
try and keep it kind of low-key. Uh, occasionally, we'll tune in to uh, watch a few minutes of the folks who have decided to line up at Times Square oh, for oh, sure. 19 hours without being able to go to a bathroom and are now frozen to the ground. That's And fun. it's going to be awfully cold this year with what you're seeing in Niagara oh. Falls and Times Square. It's, it's Ottawa not a, canceled their New Year's Eve celebrations. Well, they'd have to. They can't let people on the rink to celebrate. So, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, everything is shut down in Ottawa. <laughs> yep, exactly. Even the government. No, sadly. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, folks, I really, uh, really appreciate all the time you spent with this show and with me and with our guests this year. Thank you for doing that. I hope you all have a terrific New Year. Stay safe. Don't be stunt driving on the Red Hill Creek. Don't be drunk driving. Stay home with your family. Do whatever you're going to do. But uh, thank you so much for all the time, all the phone calls, all the involvement, all the, partici- the participation. Participation. I, I got your back. I know what you meant. This year, man, you you can tell I need a new year to start. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.